I planned to go to law school after I graduated, but uh, looks like my folks won't have enough money to put me through college. Well, the world needs ditch diggers, too. Entrepreneurship, scaling business plans. Then I became the CEO man. Are you ready to be mentored by some of the best minds in entrepreneurship in the world? Then you're listening to the right podcast, Ditch Digger CEO. We're going to be interviewing CEOs and founders who will be telling their amazing, rags to riches stories. These entrepreneurs who dominate the industries they serve will be sharing the secrets to their success. We'll be talking to millionaires and billionaires. Many who started with nothing. You're going to be mentored with golden nuggets of shared experiences from my guest, whose time is worth thousands and even tens of thousands of dollars per hour. I started in the paving business right out of high school. And with no college education, mentorship has been my education of choice. I started over 25 companies in the last 20 years, have generated over $1.5 billion in revenues. My guarantee is this. If you listen to Ditch Digger CEO and you want to be more successful, you will become more successful. The secrets of my success and for many of the world's greatest business leaders will be revealed. Let Ditch Digger CEO mentor you. All right. Here we are. We're ready to go, Q. Oh, man. Q, we got, uh, we've got another great one today, brother. We've got a great one. This, this friend of mine, Barry Schlauk, uh, we became good buddies, I don't know, golly, Seven, eight, nine years ago, Barry, you might know better than me. And uh, through some, we both are in uh, in in this thing called the construction. Uh, it's a YPO construction roundtable, and uh, it, it's a it's a global org, global uh, group of construction leaders. Um, and we have a blast. We we have a, an annual event, and and in between we talk and uh, there's there's forums and all that, but it's leaders of construction businesses globally that continue to learn more and more about their about their passion. And Barry, uh, when you talk about passion, Barry's name comes to mind for me always. I mean, the guy is just a, just a ball of, ball of energy, man. It's just, he's, it's a, he's a blast to be around and he's a great, great leader. Anything, anything Barry gets involved with, he doesn't want to just sit back and, and just be part of the crowd, man. He wants to get up there and he wants to lead, man. Yeah. <laughs> this guy's awesome. So I'm, I'm proud to have my buddy Barry here. Barry, uh, introduce yourself, baby. Well, thank you, Gary. Um, yeah, we met, uh, probably seven, eight years ago, and we were in a forum together uh, through YPO as well in construction. So I think we share a common denominator of entrepreneurship, uh, passion, and bringing good to the world. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, uh, and uh, Q, uh, you know, t- t- just uh, tell, tell Barry a little bit about yourself here quick. That, uh, you know, how, what, what, did you, did you uh, look him up at all or did you just did you discover anything about this guy or well, you just well one here of the, to listen yeah well i'm of course i'm always here to listen but one of the things that intrigued me a lot barry was um as i was looking through uh, some of the things that uh some of the successes that you have and i know from what gary told me the construction industry in itself it's it's extremely huge and in the specific uh in, in the specific part of the industry you're in you're like the top one percent so for us to be talking to somebody who's in the top one percent in this specific industry uh that you that your that yours is in as far as uh ex, ex you know utilities and concrete and ex, ex, excavating is that what excavating excavating he's a city boy remember <laughs> that barry he's a city boy so um so i think that's pretty awesome so i'm really excited i, I definitely want to know like how did you how did you get your start you know barry like what what got you so excited about um, I guess concrete and construction and excavating. And excavating. I was going to use it. I didn't want to say it wrong again. So, um, what got you so excited about that early age? Because it seems like you and Gary uh, have that same type of passion at a young age. So, mm-hmm. yeah, tell us a little bit about the beginnings there, Bear. Well, so we're located in Southeast PA, a uh, small town called Reading. Uh, if you ever played Monopoly, uh, Reading Railroad. Uh, so uh, it's kind of like a suburb of Philadelphia. And I was blessed. I grew up on a farm. So not everybody has that blessing, but I was blessed with uh, the farm life. So the farm still operates today. My cousin runs a farm. It was my grandparents' farm when I grew up. And so, you know, while people were going to school and doing their thing, I was learning entrepreneurship. I, you know, I was learning the process of the harvest from seed to cultivating 
to harvesting. And I, I had about uh, 15 seasons of that. Uh, seven years old, I was on a tractor already uh, living the dream. So <laughs> when people say, well, wow, where'd you get your, your degree in, in business? I got it from the farm. So by the time I was a senior in high school, I was fully literate at farming, uh, operating equipment, understanding the whole process from, you know, tilling the land to planting the seed to cultivating to the harvest. Uh, my, my wife uh, called me the summer of 76, uh, my girlfriend then, but um, my wife, 42 years today, I had just graduated from high school. I was out a year. I was living the dream on the farm and going to school at night for surveying. Uh, I had decided I wanted to um, pursue a, a career in surveying because of my uncle. And she said, hey, we're pregnant. So Deb was 17. I was 19. We got married. Um, I was earning two bucks an hour on the farm at the time with no benefits. So that wasn't out where we wanted to go. Uh, so I got a job in construction with my dad. He was a heavy equipment operator. I joined as a general laborer. Did a work with him on a big project in Philadelphia and really was a ditch digger for, you know, two years. Um, just learning everything about uh, laying pipe, paving, concrete, uh, cement, uh, you name it. Uh, you know, I show up and I just work hard in all these different types of processes. And I started going to school at night um, for uh, the surveying and civil engineering. And I got a job at 21. I got a uh, I was making eight bucks an hour at uh, this construction job, had benefits, uh, thought I had struck gold. And um, I wanted to be this, once when I learned that there's blueprints and, and uh, plans for everything, I mean, the world is like mathematically calculated from our properties to where the buildings are located, to the roads, to the sewer lines, to everything inside the building is, is all design. And I really got and had an interest for learning about that. So I worked for a civil engineer for a year. I was 21 years old, was staking out a road, living the dream, um, staking out this road. And a contractor had gotten a road job and said, hey, you know, I need somebody to show my people how to build this road. I'm like, wow. So he's like, whatever you're earning, I'll double it. Uh, so I ended up running that small company uh, for four and a half years from 21 to 25. And then at 25 years old, uh, we started straight out of the basement of the house. Uh, we capitalized the company with 2000 bucks. Wow. And that's 35 years ago. Uh, actually, we're on a 36th year. We've done about $1.3 in business since then. Wow. And we're ranked the best place to work in PA and you know just continue to live the dream. So it's not a... Like I wasn't born in a business family. I wasn't born to be a business person. I wasn't born to start a company. Uh, I just showed up every day with a passion, gave it the best at farming, gave it the best at construction labor, gave it the best at serving, you know, gave it the best at running this other guy's company. And I just give the best I have to what I'm doing today. So Barry, you know that you, you mentioned that the best place to work, and I know how excited you are about that. And I, you know, we've, we've uh, won some awards there. Um, and, and, and that's the, those are the best awards you can win, right? When you know your teammates are, are, are excited to come to work every day and you're building a business where, where um, you know, there's opportunity and people are, are, are rewarded for their hard work. Um, tell us about how you got there because I can't believe it started there. I mean, I, I know, you know, when we started our business, it was, was a pretty rough place to work um, like most at the time. Tell us about your, you know, what, what, you, what your business looked like when you started and, and how you got to where you are today where you're, the best place to work in Pennsylvania. Yeah. Yeah. So when I started, it was basically Deb, myself, and uh, our first employee is still with us 35 years later. Uh, a guy by the name of Steve, who I met at a gas station, he was pumping gas <laughs> and you know, I already, like he was good at pumping gas. <laughs> uh, so, um, you know, we just started like that. And I always say, if you could do one thing, just, strive to do great work. Now, nobody starts out doing great work, but I don't care if you're at McDonald's or where you're at, uh, just try to become the, the best hamburger flipper you can. And like the other week I was at uh, Giant Foods as a grocery store and I asked the cashier, how you doing? And she looked at her watch and said, I'll be better in two hours from now. Uh, yeah. she, blew her, she blew her brand, she blew the company brand. And you think I'm gonna hire her, okay? Yeah. Now she, she or he at that point, uh, you know, you could show up, 
You could be the best cashier. You could be friendly to clients. You could say, oh, you could find my name. Uh, hey, Barry, uh, I'd like you to come back in my line next time because I love to serve our customers. Did you find everything you need? Uh, yeah, geez, are yeah. you okay? And instead, I'll be better in two hours from now. And I never did that on the farm. I never did that uh, in school. I never did that uh, in my business. Uh, I never did that anywhere. And I'm not saying I don't have bad days. But at our company, we always wanted to do uh, great work. And that's the culture that we have is, you know, we're in a culture of, of mastery. Now, when I started, we weren't doing great work. We were doing good work. Uh, and, you know, it's a, it's a process of, of showing up every day. Uh, getting a little bit better that day because you learned something that day and then coming back at it the next day and getting a little bit better. So, you know, we went from from um, doing some good work to great work. And that's how we ended up becoming the best place to work in PA because we put out great work. So with that, um, you know, the culture, I had to really like transform the culture because we were a pretty rough crowd to start. I mean, I people were yelling and screaming at each other and you know, pretty hardcore construction culture. You know, it, it just, you know, it's, it just was that way back then. And so I actually ended up uh, eventually hiring a psychologist. And I brought him into the company for six years and we would meet in groups. And during those groups, he would just learn, we just learned how to talk to each other decent. So we would learn what each other was facing. How do you solve a problem? How do you talk through a problem without yelling and screaming and carrying on? So I give uh, the guy credit, and I was working on myself because I came out of a pretty rough family. My parents were both career alcoholics, and that had a whole lot of uh, stuff to go with that. So I just had to learn uh, how to communicate well, mm -hmm. and I took the time to invest in everybody in the company uh, by bringing this person in. We worked one week per month on small groups um, about six years prior to becoming the, the best place to work. Awesome. Awesome. And to, you know, when when you think about that, Barry, how how that tran transition happened, you know, do you feel that um, uh, that you know the the, cult the cultural change happened because uh, you know you you from the top enforced this, or do you do you believe there's a way you did something from from the bottom up? Uh, tell us about that. How that how that you know when you talk about you know maybe think about the core values you had initially, if there were any, and 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 what you have today, and how those how those values are. Uh, are, are driven across your, your, your teams. Yeah. So I believe culture is a top down bubble up, uh, top down bubble up. So it can't just be top down. If it doesn't bubble up the team racing it, they don't believe it. Uh, and they're not a part of it. Um, uh, so, uh, but I do think, uh, the top down can, can jumpstart it and then the team will bubble it up uh, and it becomes part of the environment. So, I started working on myself, like in my 30s, um, I, I just was fed up with the way things were going with my parents. They both um, finally went through uh, treatment. Uh, we have a great place here called Karen. I'm very supportive of it, Karen Foundation. It's uh, you know addiction treatment. So I learned a whole lot when they checked in, they went through the addiction treatment program. I went through the codependency thing. And I'm um, like, wow, you know, like, okay, yelling and screaming does not have to be uh, the way that you communicate. So, um, and I wasn't a yeller and screamer, but I was used to being around yelling, yelling and screaming. So Deb and I, uh, both went into therapy. Uh, we actually worked with a, this same person that came into the company for 10 years. I would show up, uh, in my early thirties, uh, I would show up three hours every Saturday. I drive from Philadelphia to Baltimore and work on myself for three hours with this guy. And I did that for 10 years. And so did Deb. And then we started working together as a couple and people look at Deb and I were married 42 years like, wow, how can you guys be so in love? Wow. Can you, how can you, how can you be so in sync with each other? Wow. How can you be so dynamic together? And we worked our tails off uh, <laughs> on ourselves and as a couple uh, to get there. And we're working, still working it hard every day. Uh, Once and, 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 go ahead. So Barry, yeah, I mean, and, and I just got to stop you there because, you know, so many of us, and you know me included, and 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 many of us, I think, think that hey, you're when you're in love, you're in love, and you shouldn't have to work that hard for it, right? Well, you know, actually, as you grow older together in, in a in a in a relationship, you realize you do have to work for it, right? So I mean, that's a great lesson, Barry, for young people, and uh, 
you know, young couples, right? That boy, you got to continue to work for it. If if you don't, it, go, it it's like anything. If you're complacent, it you know things things end fast, right? Exactly. And then what I what I kind of learned is there are three things in a culture that that create a dynamic culture. So, and I've kind of studied this all my life. I'm 61 years old now, and. Uh, there's three things that I have found, like why Steve Billman, uh, he's our first employee. Why is he here 35 years later? Okay, why would somebody dedicate 35 years of their life? Uh, and he's very successful. And I found number one is it, it starts with care. I call it the C. I call it the CTH way, care. You know, Steve needs to know that I genuinely care that he he is cared about at the company, and the company cares about what they do. And you've met people probably that don't care, and that's not a lasting relationship. Matter of fact, you can't wait to get away from them. Mm -hmm. uh, so number one is I'm working every day on inching up the care. Uh, I call it the, uh, the the care sniff test. Care either goes up or down every day. So I'm working on inching it up every single day in everything that I do, everywhere I go, whether it's how I treat the person at Giant. So it's an intentional way of living. Mm -hmm. The second thing, if we can get through what I call the care test, we can get to the T, which is trust. People want to know that um, you're trustworthy. And, you know, the fear is if they make a mistake, what's going to happen? They need to know that you got their back. Uh, maybe they're going to learn from it uh, and that, you know, we're going to work through this together. And if, you know, trust either goes up or down every day, it never stays the same as well as care. So I'm inching that T up every day mm -hmm. uh, with with how I react and how I the action that I take. And if we get through the CT, the care trust, we can get to what I call the pinnacle, OK, which is help. Uh, I, you know, if we're a team, OK, if we're a family, we should be helping one another. Life should get better. It shouldn't get worse by being to get by being in a relationship. So I'm inching the help up every day, and I don't ask people, how can I help? That's one of the questions I don't ask. What I do do is look for how can I help them? So when I look at you, Gary, I'm looking for opportunities to help you without asking, and then I insert myself into helping. So too many people go around and say, how can I help? How can I help? How can I help? Hey, it's my job is to, to get to know the person, get to know the company, get to know the family, and look for those opportunities to add value to them. So it's a little bit of a reverse um, in staying, in, instead of saying, how can I help, I'm actually helping. I love it. I love it. So you call it the CTH. Same like a CTH business model there. I love it. Yeah, I call it the CT, CTH way. And that's how we became the, work, the number one pl best place to work in the state of PA. I mean, we're number one out of all companies. So, like, there's Hershey Foods, there's Harley Davidson, there's all them, and they were in there. But, you know, this construction company out of Reading, Pennsylvania, took the number one slot uh, from Governor Ridge. He was, he was governor at the time. And I would make a case at CTH. So, you know, if you met Steve today, he's thriving. Now, when I go by Steve's office, and he's like four offices down from me, I never go by Steve's office and don't say hello. Never. Now, we're 35 years together. You, you, you think you get tired of saying hello to each other? Now, I don't say hello. I say Billman good. That's it. Uh, I just go by and say, hey, Billman good? And I get, yep, Billman good. Now, there's been times where Billman hasn't been good. And I spin around, go back, and I find out what's going on in Billman's life. Okay? And we address it. So, you know, we don't get people and forget people. Mm -hmm. uh, too many companies, they're out to get people and then they forget people. We're connected uh, very deeply. Yep. You know, get people and forget people. I think that's that's common. You know, as you grow and you have hundreds of hundreds of teammates, right? It's tough to it's tough yeah. to, tough to remember them all. But boy, if you can, that that's that's a huge differentiator in leadership for sure. Uh, we do a we do a birthday card for everybody, and Deb hand paints them, and we hand write them. <laughs> now, there may be a time when we grow that we can't get all that done, but we have a whole process. HR gets all the cards and the names together for me. Deb makes sure that she's in production of paying enough cards. That is awesome. Uh, and then uh, we sit down, uh, you know, over breakfast or something, and we handwrite, Dear Gary, happy birthday, all the best, Barry and Deb, and it's a hand-painted card. Uh, 
you know, that's, and we love doing it. And uh, we go, when I go visit uh, sometimes employees uh, and at, at, when I've been in their homes, they have these cards framed. They're like in a frame. Uh, because it's a beautiful painting. It's a, it's kind of unfair, Q. You know when you got when you have a, a partner, a wife like this, though, right? That's an artist, and she's an artist. I see she's set to us stuff too. It's awesome. I mean, it's kind of unfair, Barry. You know, not everybody could have a wife that's a, that's a, that's an artist like yours. Well, not not just not just an artist, but beautiful, supportive, uh, and and a, you know a leader really like Barry. You know, so that yeah. you've got an unfair advantage, dude. So you shouldn't you should be you shouldn't be. Uh, you know, making so many envious like you like you will when you explain the, the values of this woman of yours. But go ahead and talk a little more about her anyway, because I love her. <laughs> well, maybe I'll take the iPod and walk down. I think she's down there catching up on cards on studio painting. <clears throat> what well, the one thing oh, I was the one thing I would say too, Barry, is um, you know, as I've studied a lot of business owners, and uh, one thing that uh, I'm realizing specifically with a great culture. Um, those who show a lot of praise and appreciation. And it, and it shows that because um, a lot of times, uh, not customers, employees, they're not always looking for a lot more money because a lot of people think money's the reason. A lot of times they just want to be praised and appreciated by the people that uh, they look up to or that they work with. And it seems like you and Deb are extremely good at that. Um, so kudos to you in that regard. Uh, I, w- I wanted to ask you, in addition to that, because one of the things that excited me as I wanted to talk to you was literally about your way of uh, keeping repeatable customers. And I think specifically as a startup entrepreneur, that's something you look for is retention. How can I not only retain my bottom line, but how can I keep my customers happy and keep them coming back? And for you to have over 60% of your customers coming back every single year, that's amazing. How? Like that's a in, good in question. In this industry, especially, and you. in the industry in this, that you, because yeah, you've even told me how difficult it can do to do that. So, how did you all do that? I'm pretty sure the, C, the CTH way has been implemented and intricate, and, and um, it's all integrated within it. But are there any things that you've done to make sure that happens? So, we are on a mission of mastery. So, I study the construction industry. I'm constantly, and so is our team. I mean. We are learners. I mean, leaders are learners. And so we're mastering, um, you know, what we do. So if, you, if you've ever been to the Apple store, there's like a genius bar, okay? Our estimators and project managers are the genius bar for our clients, okay? And it's exactly what they do. Uh, what they do in the genius bar is they manage our clients' risk, okay? There's a lot of risk to build these projects, okay? Uh, they've got budgets, they've got tight, they've got financing, uh, they've got, uh, you know, depending what the use is going to be, they're going to lease it or they're going to rent it uh, or they, they're going to live in it. Uh, you know, uh, money is tight. It doesn't grow on trees. So we are very good at managing their risk. We're the partner to, to be their risk manager. And we have the resources. So we, we have our own in-house civil engineering uh, so that it can be designed and entitled. Uh, the estimator... Um, really provides a, a really tight, complete budget, okay, with the best applicable mes- me- methods, okay? There's a lot of th- ways to do construction, but what's the most productive method so that we, we're competitive? And then at the end of the day, um, we're protecting their budget. We're not fighting against their budget. We're protecting their budget. So if they're successful with their project, they're coming back every time. What it boils down to internal so we have an external genius bar that um for the clients to manage the risk and then internally we have a genius bar to um advance the careers of our team so you know our people want to get ahead uh they want to take care of their family um there's it's a good feeling when you're advancing and i track every year how many advancements we have i want to see a lot of advancement through our company so if you take capitalism in its best form I, I, I wrote this formula, S1 plus S2 plus V equals GP, and that's what I call heart-led capitalism. S1 is skills. It's a word. Everything starts with a skill. Okay, we all start entry. From the time we're born, I mean, we learn how to crawl. We learn how to walk eventually. We learn how to run. It's like anything else, whether you operating equipment, you're running a company, uh, whatever you're doing, we all start entry. How do we get them from entry to advanced? Because when they move from entry, they go to intermediate and then they go to advanced. Okay, we want to accelerate that process. 
So there's a lot of things that come into play. It takes some experience. It takes some mentoring. It takes some formal education and training. But we want to move them as rapidly from uh, entry to advanced as possible. So we have, I, I would put our company up against any construction company in the world that we have the best laid out job descriptions. So we have the skills all laid out. Um, what's an advanced equipment operator look like? What's an advanced project manager? What's an advanced labor? Okay, what's, a, what's an advanced anybody? Okay, because then when you have the skill base laid out, you can plug them in, they're one of three, they're either entry, they're either intermediate or they're either advanced or one of the three. Okay, and we plug them in and then we can plug in a training uh, program and a mentoring program to what I call upskill. So as skills increase, we get to the second S in the formula of capitalism, service. Okay, the only way service can increase is by skills increasing. So if we want to have better service in Rabine or Rabine wants to have better service in Schlauch, it all boils down, it boils down to the skills of our people. So we want to increase the skills. We then increase the service. Now we're affecting the clients too. Okay. Mm. Mm. Then That's we good. get to the third part of capitalism, which is called the V, value. So, you know, the value is what's paid for the service. Okay. And the service is created by the skill base. So if you want to get paid more money, you need to have better skills and better service. So it's a beautiful thing in capitalism because it works perfectly. Uh, we want to increase our value. We increase our service. The only way to do it is increase the skills. So if we want to grow our company, what are we doing? We grow our skills first. Then we grow our service. Then we grow our value. That equals 60% repeat clients because they love great service uh, and they're willing to pay for it. I mean, anybody that gets great service, if you, if you talk about where they get great service, they don't have a problem paying for that. It's, you know, where do you find great service? Mm, that's, that's good. Nate, say, that, say, say that equation one more time so so okay. our listeners can hear S1, that. S1 is skills. I, I write a formula. S1 plus S2 plus V equals GP. So S1 is the skills plus S2 is a service plus V is value equals GP. Now, most people guess at a gross profit. Uh, it's greater potential. Oh, that's the, awesome. The beautiful thing about capitalism is it's infinite. You never can become the best because the best becomes better. Okay, there's no ceiling on capitalism, and that's why it thrives. Uh, because you know it's it's all about getting better, better, better. So um, you know, greater potential is is the end result of the formula, and that's infinite. That is awesome, Vic. Oh my gosh, my mind over here is blown. You're dropping these golden nuggets as you talk. This is amazing. I didn't know they had well, that over there at PA. I didn't know they had that at Pennsylvania. I thought it was only in Chicago over here, but this is legit. <laughs> I, I give the college students the credit for it and the high school students because they, they want a piece of the action. And how do you tell them? And it finally, about five, ten years ago, I came up with this formula, and it's pretty simple. And I said, okay, here you go. And they can follow that. I had uh, – Students come out of four-year degrees and say, you know, I learned more from you in an hour than I learned in four years in school. Well, Barry, hey, you know, and you, and you continue to do this. You continually educate. You're a very transparent guy. You're, you're always educating other, other business leaders, entrepreneurs, people in construction. Um, you know, tell, tell us about, uh, you know, you wrote a book, Ex Excellence in Construction. What was the reason for writing that book? And, and, and uh, you know, what, all, what does all this stuff give you? Um, that you wouldn't have otherwise, so, you know, being a being the being a writer of your own book, you know, being a motivational speaker. I mean, you're just giving all the time, dude. It's not, it, it, you know, some people are afraid to give all the information you give, and to to think that oh, they, you know, competition's going to catch up. People are, around me are going to are going are going to take my market share, right? I've never seen any indication of that mentality in your head. Tell me about that. Well, I wrote the book in 2008. It's actually on Amazon. It's called Excellence in Construction. And I wrote that for the 8 million construction worker um, because you're looking at a farm boy, C average high school, got married at 19 and 17 with our little boy, okay, who's now 41 years old. <laughs> and, uh, you know, there, there's nothing special about me, okay? And I just wanted to let the people know that because if a farm boy with a C average can do it, anybody can do it. I mean, unless you've got some type of mental disability, anybody can do what Barry did. 
so the book is just kind of a simple 26-page guide, two-page chapters that you know could help somebody simply take it through. I didn't want to do like a 250-page book like everybody else does or a 400-page book. This is 26 pages, two-page chapters. So you, so, want, so you want to make sure guys like Gary Rabine could read it in, 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 within <laughs> within a month. Within a month. Well, guys like Barry, like, you know, I wanted something I could read. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, when you talk about legacy, um, like I'm not going to be a person given from the grave. I think when you're in the grave, you know, like, okay, um, you know, hopefully you're in heaven and you're given that way. But I think the time to give is when you're alive, okay? Like the legacy you create is when you're alive. So my legacy is basically what can I do to empower uh, my family, uh, the people in our company, and anybody I touch to empower them so that they can succeed on their own and become self-sufficient on their own and thrive on their own. I don't want to be a person like what would Barry do? I, I want to empower these people because they all have the faculties to become great. And if they simply do the S1 skills and grow their skills, S2 is going to grow, which is their service. Uh, the V is going to increase, which is value. And they're going to be on their pathway for greater potential. Awesome. So that's the model that you know I'm building for legacy. Uh, let's do it while we're living. Well, let's not let, wait. Me, let me say, you know, I got to interrupt you one second. You said uh, you know, nothing special, nothing special about Barry, nothing special about me. Well, you know what? I got to call bullshit on that, buddy, because, you know, I, again, $2 an hour farm farm boy as a young kid, right? Um, C student um, to be where to be where you are today and, and, and to have amassed the success you have is an amazing story. And so what's special about you, Barry, is that, you know, you, you're an example of anybody can do this. Anybody can 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 get grab a hold of this American dream, right? This this entrepreneurial uh, dream if they if they go after it. Right. I mean. You, you, you say nothing special about Barry, but, boy, there's a lot of special stuff about you, dude, and everybody that knows you knows that. But what's special about you is you don't think that, right? So you're, 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 you're don't, you've never had that pride, you know, crazy, stupid pride, and, and you're always going to be able to motivate. So that's why we're excited to have you on here on the show because you're going to motivate a lot of people, and I love it. Um, uh, when, when, you, when you think about your, your mentors, Barry, how would you get to where, where you're at? I mean, you, you must have seen somebody uh, ahead of you that that acquired some success and was passionate about something that built something um you know where'd you get this vision to be able to do what you did and and where are you going to get the vision for tomorrow tell me about that well i was blessed with amazing mentors so and they're all around as we all have them it's a matter of uh, being open to them so my uncle was kind of like the farm four person say for my grandfather um my grandfather uh, was uh, a political guy, so he had political appointments, and he wasn't on the farm as much as we were. He owned a farm, and he would come at night and help and, and weekends. So my, my uncle, I'll tell you, he grinded it out every day. He was, a, he was the hands-on ditch digger, David. And um, he's the one that taught me how to turn the key on in the tractor and everything. And we were in the fields together all the time. Um, and he's still farming. Uh, my cousin now runs a farm, but my, my, my uncle took the farm over. And I've tried to thank him. Like, he doesn't think he's special either. And uh, I've tried to thank him, and he's not very good at compliment. And I'm well, <laughs> just what we do. And he's now um, late 70s, uh, tough as nails, out there throwing hay bales, uh, just like, like we would. And... Uh, and then uh, when I met my wife, that definitely, um, Deb has always been a mentor for me. Uh, she, when I met her, she would teach me how to spell words and like how to type. <laughs> you know, still today, when I don't understand something, I ask Deb, what does that mean? And she is such a deep soul. Uh, you know her, Gary. Oh, yeah. Yes, I do. <clears throat> She's amazing. She is like the heart of our family. Uh, and she's so inspiring. Um and then uh, I met this guy, Dwight, uh, when I was uh, uh, running this small company for four and a half years. Uh, we didn't do our own asphalt paving. We would sub it. And I was subbing paving to Dwight. And, and I was I was like 21 to 24 then. And Dwight's like, he was a, a successful professional engineer, had his own paving company in business 25 years. And straight out of Texas, had the uh, cowboy hat on, a belt buckle uh, the boots looked good every day, had this deep Texan voice. Um, anyway, he called me Burry, uh, Burry, Burry. Hey, Burry. 
<laughs> and one day he said to me, Burry, he said, you should start your own company. Now, when he said that to me, I was 24 years old. Nobody had ever said that to me. You know, farm boy, sea average, never groomed for like some type of uh, leadership position or anything like that. And he's like, you can, he's like, you're really good at it, Burry. And he, he kept saying it to me like, Burry, you're good at it. And then one day he said to me, Burry, you should start your own company. And I looked at him, and I didn't even know he was talking to me the first time he said it. Like I, like I looked behind me like, who are you talking to? <laughs> and then Dwight said, uh, look, if you want to start your own company, because I didn't know how to do a business plan. I, you know, I had, I had a house mortgage. We had a one-year-old and a four-year-old when we started. We didn't have money. Wow. Uh, we had a dream. And so Dwight signed personally. He went to the bank with me, helped me lay out the performa. We got a $50,000 line of credit uh, for working capital. He's like, hey, you're going to have to pay the people before, you know, you get paid by the client. Uh, we we, we got to get a backhoe, uh, a couple of things. So we had a $50,000 uh, equipment line of credit, and he signed personally so I could Whoa. get the line. That's awesome. Now, that that's a real mentor right there, aren't you? Man. Holy man. cow. Man. Uh, I spoke at I, I His wife asked me to speak at his funeral about three years ago. It was beautiful, and I wrote a I wrote a, a poem about Dwight and a story that I have on my wall. When you come in my office, you want to talk about a mentor, Gary. Next time you come in my office, you'll see this poem I wrote about Dwight. Wow! Uh, see this cowboy hat hanging on like a, a horseshoe, and when I was down, his wife Bobby said, "Please take one of his hats." I'm like, "No, no, 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 no," and he's like, "She's like, please take one of his hats." So I have his cowboy hat hanging inside my door, and I look nice. at that. Every, that that's awesome. That's the awesome. best part about the mentor story with Dwight is I get to look, I get to to physically uh, be part of a piece of him every day. His son works at our company. Oh, that his, is awesome. Oh, neat. His son Len, uh, runs our paving division. Just a super young guy. Uh, been with me twelve years. That's awesome. That is crazy. And uh, in, in, you know, so, so when you think about uh, you as a mentor, Barry, and I and I'm telling you, I, I know. I know a few people are, you know, in my mind that, that look upon Barry as, as a mentor. Barry, what do you, what do you, you know, what do you want to be looked upon as a mentor? Or, you know, when you think about the time you spend mentoring people, whether it's just, uh, you know, off the cuff here or there, or it's actually structured mentorship, um, what's what's the results you'd like to see out of the out of the mentorship you'd give? So we are like all in on training. Uh, I, I would say, on average, we put four times the investment in training that the average company does in our type of field. So, if you would have come to our company last week, you would have been like, "Wow!" You know, like uh, we had like a hundred operators through last week. We had simulator training going on. Uh, we are all in, uh, Gary. All in. Okay. Like when when people come to me and say, "Hey, how can I get better?" I said, "Triple down. Whatever your budget is, take it times three for training and start training more." They look at me like, well, I don't have the money. I said, well, you, you can't afford not to do it. So find the money to, to do it. So we are very much uh, committed to this skills, service, value model. And it all begins with taking a person at entry, believing in them, you know, like Dwight did with me. Hey, you can do it. Uh, you can become good at it. I'm here for you. Continually sprinkle them with um, education and skills. Put them in the field with good mentors. We have like eight certified operator mentors in our company. These are working operators that have taken on the role of formally mentoring people, like the time, they have the competency, they communicate well, uh, and it's going. Uh, I'm not just talking uh, office you know, training, but I'm talking real field mentoring, that you take the time with a person, what they need throughout the day, uh, and you, you make sure that they, they have what they need because about 80% of the learning really comes through the hands-on experience. About 20% comes through the formal training. So they've got to get that, that, we've got to get this mentoring down very well while we're in the field as well as in the, in the office. So that's what I'm doing. Uh, you know, I'm tripling down um, myself on it. You know, last part about mentoring, and I'm on a new experiment with mentoring. It's called grandparenting. So I'm now... <laughs> I'm a grandpa, so I personally have chase one day per week. Okay, now that's a commitment. And I'm talking about, uh, and I've done it uh, like 
12 weeks after he was born, Stacy uh, took 12 weeks to be with him. She works at her company, my daughter. She's a rock star, She's an entrepreneur, project manager. She knows how to run equipment, <laughs> lay pipe, you name it. But anyway, um, so, you know, I have him one day a week. And like last week, uh, I knew this training was going on. Pop and Chase show up. We're in, the, we're in there. We're on the simulator. This little boy's on my lap, like on this chair. I'll send you a photo, Gary. And I'm telling you, he's one year old. And we were on a cat simulator for a cat articulated truck. And, you know, it's, it's live. You know, so you got the screen going in front. You're driving through, you know, you, you, the job site. You've got your shifter over here. You got your foot pedals and the steering wheel. That little boy was latched in that steering wheel. Aww. He had it noting where the, the shifter was. And I'm talking him through what we're doing. And he knows the buttons, you know, like uh, he already knows the buttons. So, um, you know, that's the kind of thing I have him a little cat backhoe, a little cat tractor I bought him. It's, um, you know, like that little Tesla that you got. Yeah. It's a little, uh, has a little battery in. He knows how to operate the bucket and the boom. He, know, he knows how to turn the thing on. Now I have to press a foot pedal for him. But, you know, that's kind of what I'm working on. Like, wow, you know, like a one-year-old right now. <laughs> yeah. And I believe how smart they are, you know, from the time they're born. And I think too many times we take it for granted. The children get maybe put in daycare because they have to. But I, I'm really on this project with our grandson right now. Like, really, like, wow, this is where I can make my mark. This is where I'm going to create my legacy. Uh, you know, I'm hoping that this little boy, when he's my age, says, you know, I love my pop and I think about what I did with my pop and you know, that's kind of where I'm headed. Awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. I'm, I'm experiencing the same stuff with my, my three-year-old grandson Lincoln and got another one on the way here on my birthday in April is, is due yeah. trying to talk him into cesarean. So, because, so it comes for sure on my birthday, but it's probably not, <laughs> yeah. not going to happen. But, but, but either, my point is if you can learn to mentor a one-year-old, you yeah. can get some at mentoring adults. Absolutely. Absolutely. This so, little boy, you know, like too many times I was multitasking. I can't multitask with this little boy. Uh, so I'm a better listener. I'm more in the moment. Phone goes off. You know, that kind of stuff. He's really teaching me, uh, you know, adult skills of leadership and true mentoring. That's awesome. That's awesome. So, hey, so Barry, think about um, when you look at your past. I mean, there's there's been tough times. And, and uh you know, we we always like to to talk about the tough times to to be to prepare entrepreneurs that listen to our show. On hey, there's going to be tough times. You got to be ready for them. If you're not ready for them, you'll you crash and burn. If you're ready for them, you expect them. You get through them. And and uh, so when you know, think about you know your tough times, Barry, in your in your business over the over the last thirty some years, right? Uh, you know, the 2008, 9, 10 wasn't easy for anybody in, in our industry. Um, you know, I know there was, there's other times as well. Can you talk about one or two of those? Well, you know, I've had, I don't like to use the word failures, but really I've had so many failures, uh, you know, uh, that, you know, we could, we could, we could talk an hour just on, matter of fact, I did a program one time called failing forward where I just took like seven big ones that mm -hmm. I've been through and it's kind of like a ball, uh, you know, the harder, uh, you know, like a failure when you really hit hard like a ball, uh, the bounce is bigger. So you get a bigger bounce from these bigger failures. <laughs> and I that my biggest bounces have come from the failure. So at the time, it's like, oh, my God, you know, like you hit and it's bad. And I like I'm a two time uh, cancer graduate. So I had prostate cancer back in 2005 and, and, and bladder in 2018. And, you know, it's, it's pretty, it's per, you know, when it hits you, like uh, when you're sitting there and the doc comes in and says, you have cancer, you're like, oh, man, how, what's the next question? How, how long do I have to live? But, you know, I got so much better through that of uh, learning about how to take care of myself. Like, I, you know, one of the things that I've been really good at is taking care of everybody else but myself. OK, like, you know, you got to exercise, you got to eat, you got to emotionally stay healthy. Um, you know, you got to stay connected. You got to take time with your family. You got to take time for yourself. So sometimes you have to be careful about giving too much of yourself away. And I really believe in the um, the old saying, uh, when you get on the plane, you got to put the um, oxygen mask on first, because if you're if you're you know, if the plane goes down and, you know, you're dead or you don't have oxygen, you can't really help anybody else around you. Right. And I've learned, I've learned uh, through my personal uh, challenges to put the oxygen mask on um, 
and take care of myself. So I'm, I'm eating much better as a result of these two, uh, two uh, experiences with cancer. Uh, I've learned a lot about, uh, you know, life, um, you know, faith. Uh, faith is very important, um, you know, and just uh, becoming more of a whole person. And I, I'm much better as a result of the two episodes with cancer. You know, it's one of those things you don't want anybody to get. But if you do get it, you you, you face it, you deal with it, and you get better. Uh, on the business side, uh, the worst day of my life was December 30th, 1985. There was an accident on a job site where it was a fatality, mm-hmm. a guy by the name of Mike. And if I could write myself a letter uh, back when I started the company in, uh, in, um, on March 3rd, 1983, and if I could write myself a letter, I would say get OSHA, uh, go right through the OSHA 30, uh, become SPSD certified, that's board certified safety. You know, back in that day, matter of fact, OSHA was just started in like the 70s. So in the 80s, it was pretty early. But, uh, you know, the accident was preventable, uh, which most accidents are preventable. And um, I'll never forget, you know, this young, uh, he was 21 years old, Mike, went out to do his job, uh, didn't go home that day. I actually uh, ended up going to the house that night, knocked on the door to Julie, uh, they were going to get married, his girlfriend, and told him, told Julie yeah. that Mike was was killed that day. So, like yeah. when I see movies with the military uh, movies and guys going to the door and knocking, and uh, you know, uh, somebody got maybe killed at war. I think about that day I knocked at the door uh, with Mike's family, and you know, and then going through the funeral and things. And OSHA said to me, like, we we have uh, I've probably one of the safest places in the in in the u.s and osha is studying us and scott chamando from osha came to me one day so like what did you do what did you do to create this kind of environment i said scott mike i'm doing it for mike this is my gift to mike i can't bring mike back but I, i can make an impact to everybody else because so many people die on construction sites, even today. Yep. So that's one of my missions is to give that gift back, pay that forward, because I can't bring Mike back. But what I can bring is a safe work environment to our people. And at Gary, as you know, I did a safety moment at the um, the construction roundtable in Chicago. Um, we started off that day with a safety moment. Well, what's a safety moment? I showed the people where the the, the defibrillator was. We talked about how to get out of the building in the event of a fire. We made sure there were people in the room for CPR first aid if anybody's heart stopped that day. So, you know, that was Mike speaking through me. You didn't know that, but that was actually Mike speaking through wow, me. Oh, that's, that's awesome, Barry. And, you know, you know we, can, we can work our butts off and, and build these great teams and, and, and serve these customers and, and, and create all this opportunity, but none of it's worth it when – when a life is lost, and and uh, like you know, you, you you seem to use every 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 tough experience you use as a as a gain, and if and, and you know as tough as it is for Mike's family, was for Mike's family, um, in in our industries as dangerous as they are, as much as much revenue as you've done this interview, there's a good chance somebody else could have lost their life over this time, and and you've taken this lesson to uh, a whole nother level. So good job. I got to tell you, I was ready to quit. Um, it was a tough time. Uh, I was ready to quit. And that Steve Billman, um, the guy I was telling you about, uh-huh. and this is a member of a team, I couldn't go back to the job site. I just couldn't. Okay, Steve did. Steve actually finished that job. Wow. You know, sometimes you need to – it's the team that can lift you up when you feel like you can't go anymore. And yeah. I felt it when I couldn't go anymore. And, and thanks to Steve, he was there – I could lean on him, and here we are. And what a shame to quit! I could have quit. I felt I had every reason to quit at that point. Well, what a, what a shame to quit! Because guess what? If you would have quit, you think of the the billion billion dollars plus in, in work you've done since then, and and the potential deaths that could have occurred in that amount of work over that amount of time that didn't happen, and the safety that's happened in you in that in that over a billion dollars of the work, the safety precedent that's been set in your organization that might not have been set. With those companies that took the space that you might have had as a void, yeah. right? So I yeah. mean, if you look at it that way, you know, you know, great, you know, things like this happen for a reason. And you're taking, you're you're taking it to another level, buddy. So thanks. 
Um, so, so Barry, when you when you had your vision originally, did you think you'd be this big of an organization? And and uh, people, did anybody ever tell you you're nuts along the way when you when you had a, this vision of a larger organization? This, come on, Barry, you're you know, you're a C student, dude. You didn't go to college, no education. You, you know what? Uh, you, your wife's working with you on your spelling, and you really expect to to, to slay this thing. You know, are you nuts? You, have you had anybody tell you that? Well, of course, uh, but you know, I never would have imagine this back when I, you know, was 25 years old. Uh, I just was trying to make sure, you know, that we got a job that day, trying to make sure that we got the job right, done right that day. And, you know, just, just doing my thing, Gary. I mean, you, know, you just, you just do your thing and trying to get a little better at what we were doing. So no, I, I would have never envisioned this, but this is how life is. I mean, life is an adventure. Life's a, a mystery, but I can tell you one thing when you show up, and you give it your best, and you listen to what life is doing that day and get a little better tomorrow, this is possible for anybody. I'm glad you said that, um, Barry. I want to, I mean, because uh, like I said, there's also, there's there's so many different type of listeners that we have. I, of course, we have a lot of the um, amazing, um, uh, you know, even mentors that we have that are peers like yours, and then we have people like me and that are out here grinding it right now today. What will probably be be one of the biggest things or one of the best uh, mindsets that you can give for the early entrepreneur, the startup entrepreneur, the one who has a lot of the grit, the one who's heard that you're crazy like you did back in the day. What would probably be one of the things that you would say to us currently right now where, hey, listen, in this day and age, make sure that you have this and that, whatever that is that Barry has uh, so we can get to that next phase so we can be like you and leaving a legacy. So, you know, number one is start where you are, okay? Just start where you are. You know, if you're a cashier, become the best cashier. If you're doing what you're doing, be the best at, you know, mentoring. Uh, so start where you're at and just find out what great work would look like where you're at. What would a great cashier look like or a great whatever labor or great whatever you're doing? And, you know, just show up and give it your best and keep getting better. Besides, you know, starting where you're at and getting great at what you're doing, uh, whatever that is, because somebody will see it. Gary will see it. I'll see it. And we'll, we're going to grab you. Dwight grabbed me, <laughs> uh, you know, my mentor. He's seen it and, you know, he acted on it. I mean, it's so special when you find somebody that's trying to do their best. I mean, it's like, wow. Yeah. You know, like, uh, it's like, wow, how about it, Gary? Yeah. Just spotting them out. You will be seen. But then second, after after giving it your best and, you know, where you're at is find the purpose in what you're doing. Um, I've always been able to find the purpose of what I'm doing. So, you know, when I was farming, uh, I really felt good because farming feeds families. I mean, putting the seed in is one thing and doing the work and it's hard work. But, hey, we're feeding the world is what we're doing by farming, feeding the world. How cool is that? Now, construction, I, I always I always look at, you know, like we aren't putting sewer lines in. We're preventing pollution. We're not putting water lines in. Uh, we're bringing life to people's homes and environments. Water sustains life. Uh, we're not like we do. We do um, uh, new turf uh, athletic fields are, are really cool. And I when I go in there uh, to the board or the school, I say, we're not just building a turf field. We're building character. Can you imagine the character that's going to get built on these fields that we're doing? That's really so good. You, you notice how uh, I'm tuned in. Uh, so construction isn't just construction. Construction advances and enhances civilization. I mean, it provides homes to comfort families, work environments to make a living, roads to connect. I mean, we're connected because of us, Gary, because of the roads we put in and, and airports and infrastructure. So I always say in 100 years from now, I think our company is going to be here. Facebook may not, because I think in 100 years from now, uh, you don't have to like a post to live. You don't actually have to <laughs> I like that. But I think in 100 years from now, uh, we're going to need some still, environment to live in. Still going to need some water. And I think we're still going to be eating 100 years from now. So that's why I love farming and construction so much, because 100 years from now, a thousand years from now, a million years from now, hopefully we'll still have these living environments and we'll be eating. 
Um, so how can you not get excited about that? But and I love it. I love it, Barry. And I and I've always loved this about you, buddy. You you know you you have a passion. Anything you're going to do, spend any time doing you you you're passionate about it. Every every day of your life, that you live with passion. And 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 you mentioned it before the cashier and all that. And and we we have hired many people from Home Depot. And we you know Home Depot is my customer today. And and you know they they you know they get, when you see somebody at Home Depot servicing you, you know serving you and 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 ask you, hey man, how can I help you? And you're there, you're you're got a project going on at the house, and you're there ten days in a, in a month, and you run into the same person five six times asking, how can I help you? How can I help you? And they know their stuff. Boy, that's a person you want on your team. You can see the passion in them, right? When you're yeah. when you're at a restaurant and you see that bus boy or bus girl or, or waiter waitress, right, waiting on you and and serving you. With passion in the in a in a tough job, boy, you, you that's the type of person you want in your team, right? Because if you can serve at that level and 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 strive to be great at that level, boy, they're going to strive to be great at anything they do, and so that that's the type of people that we you know we always want to surround ourselves with, and I think uh, and, and as you said, anything you do in your life, boy, if you if you seek out the best of the best to, to be mentored by, and you want to you know you, you want to be you know world class at it, whatever that is, you, you know you you'll, you'll do well, right? So that, that that's uh, that's just such an awesome point. What uh, what do you, what else you got here, Q? What else are you thinking? We got to get uh, out of this guy before we're done with him. We he's he is a uh, wealth of awesome information, isn't he? <laughs> but uh, what what else are we missing? Anything you can think of right now? Um, well, I mean, there's it, it kind of go back to uh, uh, another thing that I'm at least thinking of from a business perspective. Because, but I really want to ask you a lot more. Um, uh, you're just a ball of of quality, uh, quality mindset, man. And I, I probably want to try to get some one on one time when you come back to Chicago, at least, so I can see you in person from a personal vendetta uh, or a personal just for me to be transparent with you. However, uh, we have listeners. So one of the things I <laughs> I'm thinking about though is uh you know one I, I think you're also not think, but I think from what Gary told me, competitive pricing is something that is extremely important for a lot of people. How do you how do you promote yourself? One of the things that True Mentors is uh, we look at the five reasons why we exist, and I, I guess as you said, our purpose in doing what we do, and what we notice is what problem we're looking to solve. And one of the things that we know most startups have is an issue with uh, competing um, in in the industry that they're in. Well. Pricing properly is extremely important, and it seems like you do that extremely well. How? Doing great work. So let me just take an advanced operator from an entry operator. There could be a 100% uh, difference in productivity. Okay? So even though we're, we're compensating the advanced operator a lot more than the entry operator, the productivity offsets that so much. So when you take your skills up, um, service up, value up, uh, it's happening because you're so much more efficient. So our costs are actually lower with advanced, uh, competent people than they, they are with entry people. Hmm. So, you know, we're back to uh, you got to be great at what you do. So and, you, and when you're part of being great is you're very efficient, extremely efficient. And that lowers your costs. Absolutely, and 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 it's like you said, it's training and mentoring people to to get them to that level and, and a consistent basis. Because if you're if you're not doing that, you're you're competing with bad with with uh, underdeveloped labor, under underdeveloped skills, and it, and that gets tough, right? Then it gets tough to compete. Yeah. When you when you think about your business, Barry, and and uh, you know growing this thing in 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 pencil, rural Pennsylvania, and and everything you've done. Uh, to grow this large business, uh, how do you look at the American free enterprise system in allowing you to do that? What do you, you know, is there anything you can think in, uh, that that could be better than this this system that you and I have grown our businesses in? Well, I love capitalism and entrepreneurship, so you know, I'm just like uh, I'm just in love with it. So yeah, thank God I've traveled. So like I've been to Cuba, I've been to uh, Greece. Um, you know, like Greece has been around forever, but uh, it's a, uh, you know, it, it's such an entitled uh, uh, culture. Uh, and uh, like Cuba, uh, Cuba has free education. They have free, uh, uh, free everything, free, free health care. Nobody goes to work. 
like you go to Cuba and there's like weeds growing up through the scaffolding. And what they've lost is uh, the, the pride of ownership, the pride of, of uh, earning things. So I have found that uh, people that earn things value much greater than people that are given. Like I paid my way through school. And if somebody would have paid school for me, I would have never gotten what I got out of it because, hey, I was working during the day and then going to school at night. And I remember the people that were the parents were paying for their school. And I could tell they weren't paying attention. They were they were thinking about where they're going for the party. I had to go home that night because uh, I had a one year old uh uh, my wife, uh, we had a one-year-old at the time, and I had to get up at six to get to the job site at eight uh, so that I could earn that living and then go back to school at night. And then I worked the farm on the weekend um, because a farm on the weekend paid for my college courses because I didn't have enough mon money left over from the, the my, my job uh, in construction. So it's beautiful. Capitalism is beautiful. I think it's misrepresented. I think a lot of people don't understand it. Uh, yeah, there are some bad companies out there, don't get me wrong, but it is a beautiful thing and it works when you learn how to work it. Uh, so I am like, uh, I put my hands together and I say amen for the USA. <laughs> uh, you know, and uh, I'm just grateful that I'm here and I'm just grateful that um, we have these opportunities that um, where, you know, the sky's the limit. And and if you're and if you you know the the problem we see sometimes is you're, we're born here we don't we don't understand that this isn't everywhere right we don't understand that this is the beacon uh, of of free enterprise and you know there's there's other countries that strive to be like us but there's not many that have done this successfully so I think uh, you know in traveling like you have right and 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 I've been able to do that in the last 15 years of my life a little little bit. Um, you really see the difference, you know. And boy, you're—I'm I'm always happy to be home when I'm when I'm back on this turf. Yeah, and these countries are completely broke. It's it's awful. I mean, Cuba's opening up because they're broker than broke. I mean, they can't, you know, they they, they don't have any farming. Uh, they have no agriculture. They, they, they it's it's very sad when you go there, and it's 50 years of doing this because of the culture that they've created there, and you know. It's really awful when you go there to see what happened to that country. Yeah, I mean, and we, it's a country. Lots of lots of examples of that, right? I mean, when, when you look at Greece and Venezuela lately in the last twenty years, is from the richest uh, per capita to the one of the poorest now. I mean, it, it, and you know, again, all we can do is continue to embrace this this uh, free enterprise society and 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 keep talking about it with the love and love in our hearts that we have, Bear. Uh, amen. What else you got for us, Q? Man, I got some Quentin's True Takeaways. And I got some takeaways today from Barry, you guys. Uh, one of the biggest things, and I guess I'll start off with how you started and you continually implemented that in my brain, Barry, which is you, if, if you can do one thing, strive to do great work. And it is a testament to what you've already created. And I loved even what you said, the 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 CTH way, you know, care. You know, you got to care about your people and trust and help. And and the fact that you don't ask, how can I help you? You look for how you can help people, you know. Um, and, and I think even another thing you say when it comes to hiring people, don't get people, then forget people. Like, uh -huh. y'all, <laughs> you're like a rapper, Barry. That's pretty awesome, you know. <laughs> um, uh, but, you know, even more importantly, your equation of not, and, and, it's, and it's implemented in your whole culture, man. Skills plus service plus value equals greater potential that's huge um and then a little bit about your life that was an amazing takeaway you know you get a bigger bounce with a bigger failure and more importantly find the purpose in what you're doing you guys because uh, when you find your purpose honestly you don't go to bed tired you go to bed empty and it's good to see that with you barry um but more importantly one of the biggest true takeaways for me is the word is excavating <laughs> the word <laughs> you know so uh and did i say it right yeah, yeah. yeah okay i said it right at that time so um yeah. and then so anyway uh, in, in addition to that you you have a you talk about leaving a legacy is creating it when you're alive and, and barry i see it in you and i see it um in what you're doing and i'm just so thankful and appreciative of gary for you giving me the chance to uh, meet you and uh, i can't wait for more times to build more rapport with you my friend Barry, your, your story is going to inspire many, man. That's our goal here, inspire inspire many people to say, man, I can do it. You know, Barry, 
Barry can do it with with amazing attitude and the energy he has. Barry can do it. I can get. I can do that. Right. That's right. I want more people saying that, Barry. And and the, I know I know the more people that meet you, there's more there's more people saying it. But we want millions of people to hear my buddy Barry. All right. So thanks. Oh, for, hey, I, I had one thing I wanted to say. Yet. Yeah. I love you, Gary. I love oh. you too, brother. I love you too, brother. That brotherly love there. Oh, he, he, oh. Well, you know what? And, and you know, if, if if anybody meets Barry, loves Barry. But I've had I've had more time than a lot of people with Barry. We, him, him and I hang out together every time we get together. We make sure we're, we we spend some time. And uh, what's well, I always I'm always excited to come back home and and do more you know, more good work in my own business after Barry shares all the cool stuff he's doing. Yeah. So, thanks for hey, you, thanks for you, my Quentin. friend. All right, thank you so much. Thank you so much, Barry. And we'll see you all next time on Ditch Diggers CEO. See ya. Yeah, baby. If you enjoy this show, please share with anyone else you think will find value here. And please go to our website, ditchdiggerceo.com, for show notes, links, video clips, and more nuggets of entrepreneurial wisdom. Don't forget to follow me on social media at Ditch Digger CEO and at Gary Rabine. If you listen to our show and want to become more successful, you will become more successful. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. became the CEO man.